Welcome to Built Brave. Driven women sharing their stories to show others what is possible for them. Because we were all born brave. I'm your host, Lo Wentworth, and this is Built Brave. Are you ready? Hey everyone, welcome back. One, if you haven't heard this week's solo episode about is it true challenging your beliefs and gaining that core confidence in yourself, go back and take a listen. It's actually a pretty good one, even though I kind of go on tangents, but hey, that's what I do. It's my podcast and this is me. And today's guest, I'm excited to have her on. I'm always actually super excited to have attorneys on and discussing honestly their experience that they had in the legal field or currently having in the legal field, what law school was like, because I feel like that it's a major experience that we go through going through law school and that just highlights things on a deeper microscopic scale versus just regular life and is applicable. So just like how last week I had Amanda on and she was talking about overcoming drug addiction and still her challenges with that, but the lessons she learns are still applicable to us, the everyday people who haven't had these major things we quote unquote deem extraordinary. And with Taylor, we talk about carving out your own path and trusting your intuition and making decisions intentionally and then also unplugging as much as you can because one thing for attorneys we are trained to always look at the what ifs like what could happen as a way to protect our clients and ourselves and sometimes we go down that rabbit hole and need to take a step back and a breather but she also discusses why she decided to go out on her own and what the thought process she had with that going from a job and think you need to have that job to being like, no, it's okay. I can rely on myself. Like I can actually get this done. And then we just discuss other things in between. But everything she talks about applies to your life in some way shape or form. You don't have to be a lawyer just like a man. You don't have to go through a drug addiction and overcome those major feats. It doesn't make you less than a person. Your experiences are your experiences. Your emotions are your emotions. And whatever is coming up for you is up for you and meant for you. And you shouldn't discount or make yourself feel less than because someone is going through a harder time than you are. You don't know how they're handling it and they don't know how you're handling your life because we don't show the nitty gritty, those moments where we're down on our knees, bawling our eyes out. We, we show the highlight reel of anything. Even if we've hit rock bottom, we show the highlight reel about how we've overcome, but we never really show what is going on in the mess And the mess is very real for people and your feelings are very valid. So whoever is listening to this, this is, I guess, what you need to hear right now. I wasn't intending to say all of that. But with that, guys, let us begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Taylor, can you take it away and let everyone 
know who you are yeah, and what absolutely. you're about? Absolutely. So I am an attorney and I help small businesses and entrepreneurs to essentially help them protect their businesses as a whole, but also the content they create, the services they're offering, just anything and everything involved with running their business or thinking about, you know, maybe opening a business and what that means legally. So yeah, most of my clients are small business owners, which is really fun because you get to work with fellow entrepreneurs and fellow female entrepreneurs, but you also get to convey a topic that is a little sometimes confusing and scary for people, but it's fun to be able to do that in a way that's hopefully easy to understand. That's interesting how you say yeah. that. It's fun to do that. Did you always want to be an attorney? I think I I think I did when I was younger because my mom has stories of me asking things about like what attorneys do, um, if they make a lot of money was one of my questions. <laughs> um, obviously, caring about not important stuff at like ten years old, but um, yeah, I just I I really enjoyed writing and I really enjoyed persuasive writing through middle school and high school. Um, and one of the career counselors was like, you should go to law school. I was like, okay, that might be fun. Um, so I really do enjoy like the persuasive aspect of being an attorney, but the whole, uh, like oral arguments and, and court situation was not for me, I found. So doing transactional has been a lot more fun. And, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Fulfilling. (laughs) Mm. And for the listeners, can you tell them what transactional versus litigation yeah, is? I didn't even know that in law school, which would have been great. <laughs> um, <laughs> litigation is like the typical stuff you see on like Law and Order SVU when they're in court arguing. Um, litigation at the point where you already have a dispute or an argument, somebody's filed a lawsuit, but transactional is usually before. The dispute happens, so you're attempting to make sure all the paperwork looks good, all the parties involved are happy, everything is completed efficiently and correctly, filing-wise. Um, and it's a lot more like paper, pushing paper and contracts, but that's fun for some of us. Well, it's got to be fun <laughs> for some of you because I say some of you prefer transactional too. I don't like litigation. Um when I was doing it, but the two diverged. <laughs> what had you decide to become a business and trademarks attorney? Because that's a very specific field within yeah, the legal I field. I had been doing, I was in litigation after law school. I was doing just general civil litigation, uh, some real estate and like personal injury. Um, and then I moved to another firm that we were doing all consumer protection, mostly lemon law. So that's like when your car has a problem with it and it's, uh, the laws that protect you as a consumer that's purchasing vehicle. And then I moved to another area where it was just even more consumer protection. Um, we were, so we were essentially suing big businesses all the time and we were in a really small niche area of the law and I saw how many lawsuits were coming in. Uh, for huge businesses. And I'm like, if if we're in a niche area, like how many areas are businesses um, either like vulnerable or 
how many different areas of the law that they have to think about all of the time. And then I was thinking about like small business owners and how that might be super stressful. And right about the same time, one of my friends who is a Pilates instructor uh, was opening up her own studio and she was asking me to kind of help her out with the, the trademark and some of the contract work. So it just kind of aligned really nicely at a time that I was wanting to kind of go out on my own and be able to pick my clients and work with who I wanted to work with. And this area is so much more fulfilling, I feel, because you're able to to translate legal jargon for business owners that are already stretched thin and have so many different things on their plate that they're just like, oh, legal stuff. Okay, fine. Like, I guess I'll handle it or guess I'll do it. But I just, this area is so, it's so fun. I love it. Well, in big corporations and big businesses, they have a whole department dedicated just yeah. to the legal stuff. So being a small business owner, you're wearing mm-hmm. multiple hats. And from what least what I have perceived and seen, they don't want to do any of the legal stuff because attorneys yeah. are big bad wolves. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a... Uh... I think people view attorneys in a light that's like not favorable to some attorneys. Like some attorneys are really arrogant and annoying and some of them are really expensive, but a lot of them aren't either of those things. And I think it's, we just get a bad reputation and I hate that. (laughs) So it's, it's good to be able to be like, no, look, this stuff is not as terrible as it seems. Like there's people that are willing to help you um, not for, you know, outrageous prices or I'm not going to talk down to you or make you feel stupid. I think it's just finding like the right professionals that you want to work with. Which is in any area of your life, whoever you're working with is just finding people you're compatible and able to work with. You might not necessarily have the same ideas about things, but you yeah. work well with each other. Yeah, that's um, definitely true. Like, ta- like any like tax stuff freaks me out, but then I found a really great CPA and I was like, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought. It's one of those classes I thought about taking in law school and didn't, but also I'm like, well, I probably that's should a have. a whole other beast. I can't even, that's a lot. <laughs> It's insane. Like immigration law, I took immigration and I was just like, wow, mm-hmm. that's its whole It's so funny. Animal. Do you ever feel like go. people, now I'm going to ask you a question because <laughs> I had this happen the other day. I feel like people think attorney and then they just start asking whatever legal questions because I feel like they think we know everything and we don't. Like there's areas that some of us are familiar with and kind of know about, but like Somebody asked me an immigration question. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking. Like, that's a whole separate area of the law. Like, and I, I, don't, I think it's more well known with doctors that like there's specialists in certain areas, but with attorneys, I just feel like people think we know like all of the laws. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't know. They don't understand that it's like yeah. specialized. And then it's hilarious what I get is someone comes to me and they give me some facts their side of the story or different things and I go well it depends (laughs) and it gets them all mad and frustrated I go one I don't know all of the facts two you want to know what every answer a law student got (laughs) from their professor well it depends there's just a lot of like bad scenarios going in our brains all of the time (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can't even shut it off. Like I go down one road and into the rabbit hole and I I'm like, I need to stop. But it's a puzzle piece in my mind. And my mind's like, you I haven't know. found all the puzzles. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's really good. Cause like if you're renting an apartment, like it's great to have gone to law school or to have been an attorney ever at some point. Cause you're like, Oh, here's all the things I should be concerned about. But then my family members and like my boyfriend get really annoyed. Like every time there's a potential issue, I bring it up. <laughs> Just trying to help. <laughs> well, you gotta bring it up. Otherwise it could happen. And then they'll be like, well, what? why didn't she tell me? It's just like, oh, well, I did, or I stopped telling you things because you wanted me to stop telling <laughs> you. So I just worried. stopped. That's why I stopped. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah. No, leases and apartments. It's just interesting how many family members I've gone that over with, or I've been like, let's look at this. Something doesn't smell right to me. Mm-hmm. want to look at it. <laughs> Whether you're concerned or not yeah. about it, I'm a little concerned. Absolutely. Crazy. So how did you like navigate law school? And I know you went to a particular law school for a particular reason, which I find very interesting. I just decided to go to law school kind of last minute in my own career path. And it just happened really quickly and I just did it. Um, But I thought it was very interesting how intentional you were about yours. I had a... I had like two main reasons for picking my law school. Um, I went to undergrad on the East Coast and then I came back home. I'm originally from Los Angeles. I came back home to go to law school first and foremost just because I was going to practice law here. So I figured I should go to a law school in California. Um, And then I also was looking at LA specific law schools and Southwestern Law School where I attended. Um, They... Initially, I was very interested in their entertainment uh, program, and then I started like looking at the school and, and everything that they offered, and I saw that they were extremely diverse as well, which I thought, you know, I'm in LA, like we need a, a good representation of, you know, the types of attorneys I'm going to be working with, like this is, this is great. So I ended up going to Southwestern, and then I got out into the legal field, and I was like, wait. There's like no diversity in the legal field, <laughs> which was weird, but um, that's probably another whole other topic. But yeah, the I was I really wanted Southwestern has a really good entertainment program. There's really great entertainment classes. I initially thought I wanted to go into entertainment. Um, didn't end up doing entertainment just because it's super uh, competitive, and I just couldn't find like a a full time job after graduating or after passing the bar, excuse me, in entertainment. So I was like, I'll go do civil litigation. But, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed my experience there. I think it's a, it's not like a top ranking school whatsoever. Well, I don't know what it is now, but I think they did a really good job of prepping us practically. Um, and I think, well, I, I know that they did a really good job of prepping us practically because a lot of the attorneys that hire from Southwestern um, say that we have good practical experience, like we're prepared to be able to jump right into a law firm versus like not having any idea what's about to happen in a law firm. Like the, there is administrative work. Um, it's not all just like arguing in court. So 
I thought that was a really good experience. That's um, interesting that you say that you also went to the school that gave you the practical preparation, because I know a lot of law schools don't do that. I mean, one of my biggest frustration in law school is it's not about your GPA or your ranking, but yet it is mm -hmm. about your GPA and ranking. And I'm sitting here, that sends out a very mixed mm -hmm. mes message, because if it is, then I need yeah. to be catering to that. And if it's not, then I shouldn't care so much about, you know, getting on law review or being at the top of my class or the top mm -hmm. 10 of my class. I should just be focused on, you know, the classes I want to be focused on and then getting the practical experience. Because I did end up transferring my 1L year between my 1L year and 2L year from St. Thomas in Minneapolis mm -hmm. to Drake because they had they were more established because St. Thomas mm -hmm. was a much younger school and they had clinics where I'm like, mm -hmm. I could get the practical experience. Cause I also knew how I learned yeah. and I needed both. I can't yeah. read from a book. Yeah, that's really true. And I think like coming from a law school, that's not a top tier law school. You kind of have this like, okay, well, I'm probably not going to go big firm unless I'm top like 1% of my class, because we had a handful of people go big firm, but we're just not the first pick in Los Angeles, like SC and UCLA are. So I already was like, I'm probably not going to go big firm. And then the immediate jump from there is like, okay, well, most like midsize or small firms will hire you, but they're going to hope they're like, you're going to hop in and you're going to be doing like actual attorney work immediately. Like you're not just going to be like doing discovery for you know, years on end. So that was also kind of a blessing in disguise, I guess. Cause I, like when I graduated, I went to a couple of smaller firms that I got to jump in and do attorney work like, ASAP, like go to court, go to hearings, like go to arbitration hearings. And I was terrified, but I was glad that I could explore that. Cause I might've been in litigation for like five or six years just to see like, do I like this? I don't know, but I got a good taste of it and was like, mm, no, no <laughs> thanks. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, it's interesting, like, the stuff that you try and you look at the back on your life and see how things happened and you're able to connect the dots. So you going to smaller firms or mid-size firms, getting into that nitty and gritty where big firms, for anyone's listening, <laughs> if you've ever seen Suits, that's essentially what an example of a big firm is. A lot of TV shows are really just big firms, uh, minus yeah. SVU and all the criminal shows. That's so true. I mean, the big firm life is glamorous, and there's usually a lot of money involved, and I would not turn that down, but I just did not find that route. Uh, I don't think it wanted me, and I ultimately knew that I probably would have not done well in that type of situation. Well, it's super competitive as well when you think about it. And then you have the rankings and then also the law school system is tiered. And so that's ranking. So it doesn't matter if you could be the top 1% in your class. You weren't the top 1% mm -hmm. at the elite school. So that somehow plays into it. So it's just really interesting. That is, I had a judge one time. He was an Iowa judge and he automatically dismisses any Ivy League or top tier one schools oh from plant 
applicants because he's like, you're only <laughs> here to yeah. get the clerkship. That is it. You're not here to like be working in the community, yeah. like all of that in Iowa. You just want yeah. it. It's a resume builder. That's and I'm like, really interesting. Ah, interesting. That's interesting. That's cool. I get that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that is the the necessary step, right? Was doing that. So I never even clerked for a judge. Like that was what you need to do to get into a bit. I just never did it. <laughs> I feel that's also like kind of competitive in itself because there's so many people who are wanting that. And then you, you get experience mm. in a different way that is valuable to firms um, but it's also very much and just like, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in doing all of mm-hmm. the legal research that yeah. you guys are doing, even though I know a crap ton <laughs> that happens in the law field. I'm just not, not my yeah, jam. That's really crazy. I went to, and like, I don't want to necessarily give the name of the law firm because I feel like I give the name of the person is like pretty well known, but I went to an interview one time here in LA and they literally asked me why I chose my law school if I went to UPenn as an undergrad. Like they were trying to figure out like why my law school tier ranking was low given my undergrad. And I just was like, are you openly asking me that? And is that still happening? Like, it, <laughs> it, I was like, I mean, you have every right to ask that, but I just, I was extremely surprised that that happened. I was like, why did you even bring me in if you're concerned about my, my resume? Isn't that, don't you see that? That's the first thing you see. So if there's a concern, like, don't bring me in. So weird. I know. Right, call me about it. Really I dressed up for this. That is so interesting. <laughs> so interesting. All right. Cool. So what made you decide to go out on your own and start your own legal practice and then start work with working with small businesses? Um, my last law firm that I was working with, I was able to work from home because they were based out of Chicago. And then they had a California office um, that I went in every couple of weeks or so, but I was working from home and that lifestyle I got used to. Um, And I just kind of realized I need to be, I'm pretty, I know that introvert is such like a buzzword right now, but I, that's like truly my personality is I, I get really exhausted if I'm in an office full of people. And if I'm just have questions coming at me all the time. So I just was like, I don't, if I could have my choice, I think I'd rather work from home. And I think I can work for myself hopefully. And just, I just tried and was hoping that the space that I went into was welcoming and there was going to be enough clients. Um, and it, it luckily has been successful, but that was kind of a leap of faith and totally against everything that I've ever, like, I never thought that I would open my own practice. Um, I was always that person in law school that was like, no, 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 I'm always going to work for someone because I need the insurance. I need the stability, but right now like especially with what's going on there's like there's not a lot of stability so I'm glad I kind of hopped in to kind of do my own thing and like I'm relying on myself now I'm not like waiting for somebody to like let go of my position because this the firm doesn't have enough money so it was really terrifying to, to start out with but now I'm like 
I'm in charge of how much money I make and I'm in charge of providing for myself, which has been, been nice. It's interesting that you brought that up, like the thought process about, you know, needing to work for someone else to have that stability and then you completely mm-hmm. diverge from it. So what did you do to, um, unwire that thought process in your head to even take the leap of faith. And take I that saw risk. like before I started to kind of take on my own clients, I, I did research cause like we do a lot of research even as lawyers, as like women, like that's our main thing. Like we're not going to jump into something necessarily without, so I didn't jump in blindly. Like I looked and made sure that there was a, at least a community or like a, an audience that I could cater to. Um, and I made sure that this was like a thing that I could do because like being a lawyer in an online space, it's not traditional at all. So more conservative attorneys don't really find it. Um, I think they're just confused by the change aspect of it and they don't understand it. So it was totally non-traditional, but I saw there's a, there's a handful of other attorneys that I am friends with now that uh, I reached out to and I was like, Hey, how did you decide to do this? Like, is this a, like, are you doing well? Like not to ask you how much money you're making, but like, is it just an online thing or like, is this your actual like full-time income? And they were like, yeah, this is successful. So I was like, okay, I guess, you know, I could do that if, if other people are doing it. I think the like seeing other people doing it and being like, I, I could do that probably just kind of testing it out. Mm. Which is always good to see examples, but I very much find it interesting in the legal field or even outside people's perception of the legal field that attorneys don't have a life outside of the legal field. They're all about it. The do everything for it to anyone diverge in any way traditionally. You did a very minute, non-traditional move. You open your own business where other attorneys go out and they don't even practice law. They're working someplace in corporate or they have their own business doing something completely different than working in the legal field. So I just find it very interesting that it's just like you can't, you're only this one thing when is any human just this one I, li- I was listening to another podcast about that today. What did they call it? It was a psychologist and he was talking about like something foreclosure. Not intelligence foreclosure, but I guess the, the, the concept of like when you're younger and you excel at something and people praise you for that thing, you kind of stop exploring other options. And I, I've never heard of that concept. I was like, you know what? That's really true. Like, if you kind of commit to either like one sport or like one type of area that you like, like we have all this other room to be good at other things. And maybe we just didn't try because we're taught to like go, go, go in that one area that we're good at. But like, there's other really cool stuff that you can do. Like as a business owner, like I'm like legal work is half of my job. Like the other half is like running an actual business, which is totally nothing to do with anything you learned at law school. (laughs) No, that's interesting. Yeah, from a very young age, we are asked what we want to be when we grow yeah. up at like what yeah. five, six, yeah. maybe even younger. I don't know. Yeah, be like, a little kid. Like, kid. What's like that thing in kinder? <laughs> like all the little kindergartners, are like I want to be a firefighter. Like they all just like think they know what they want, 
Like, do you really know? <laughs> nope. I don't think anyone I really I went through a phase where I was like, do I still even want to be an attorney? Like, I just, I've tried a bunch of different areas of law and I don't even know if I, like, that's what I want to do. And I was like, I really like interior design. That might be fun. But then I landed on an area of the law that I was like, okay, this is actually, this is interesting. This is fulfilling. Like the, the subject matter is really cool and the clients are cool. And what I'm offering, I really appreciate like what I'm able to do. So like I found it in time before I just like left completely, but who knows? Maybe there's other things that we just like never know we're good at or never know we want to try until later. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that phase of like, do I really want to be an attorney? And then it has all of these other questions pop into your head, like the family mm -hmm. pops in or like you spent all this money. So why yeah. wouldn't you and all of this? And I'm kind of the philosophy and like, yeah, I did. But money is a renewable mm -hmm. resource. Um, but why does spending all this money on one thing dictate how the rest of my life is going to be if I'm miserable? That's what everybody cares about is the money. <laughs> <laughs> the investment and the time and the, all of that. It's a lot. So how do you bring shifting gears balance to your day um, and breaking it up since you are working from home and you have been from a while for a while and then you know running your business is demanding on top of a field in itself that is demanding um I really try and incorporate like some form of exercise whether that's like a walk outside or something just to get my mind off of work I think usually most forms of exercise is like the one thing that I'm able to completely stop thinking about work. Anything else is how doesn't really do it for me, but I did also just start uh, like meditation, guided meditation. I can't meditate on my own yet, but that's been, that's been really uh, interesting. Cause I think we don't until recently, like everything that we put, like we go to the gym and like work out and you train your body to be able to do stuff like training your mind to be able to think certain ways is the same concept, which I never even grasped until recently with all like the mental health concerns right now with COVID and everybody being at home and being concerned about their jobs and the economy. So I think it kind of revived that topic for me. So the meditation has been interesting. But just like taking a break, like yesterday, I was trying not to be on social media at all because I just like a lot of my work is on Instagram. So the minute I log in, it's like it turned it has now turned into work for me. So I can't just go online and just scroll around for fun anymore. I just have to kind of avoid it when I have to avoid it. Isn't it interesting how the switch happens on social media or something you once oh. enjoyed mine? mindlessly and then all of a sudden it becomes work and you're kind of like yeah it's, no thank you social media is just one yeah. example but it it's like a total it's a total double-edged sword because I get I find most of my clients find me on Instagram but now going on there usually means like responding to someone's message or someone has a legal question so it immediately turns to work now 
which is good because I'm getting business from it. But now my brain can't even just like scroll mindlessly without thinking about like, oh, did I post that thing? Or like, did I answer that person? But I'll take it. <laughs> what has been one of the biggest lessons or aha moments you've had during COVID? Um, lessons, 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 lessons. I think I saw. I think there was like this trend of right when COVID started, of some people just like couldn't be online or couldn't look at social media. That was their form of like taking care of themselves. Some people went into like overdrive on things that they were doing. And I think I'm one of those people where when I get stressed out, I just fill my day with activities so that I don't think about what I'm stressed out about. And I turned into that person that was like signing up for all the free webinars, like doing every single workshop thing I could possibly do. And it was really exhausting at the end of what like the end of May middle of no end of March middle April because I was just like on my screen all the time like watching webinars like and it was really helpful because a lot of businesses were offering like free information and free lectures and all that good stuff but it was like I can't be looking at a screen for 15 hours a day like that's why I didn't go (laughs) to big law so I should not be staring at a screen for 15 hours a day. That was a little exhausting. But it was, that was a cool, like, thing to find out about myself that when I get really stressed, I just, like, busy work my way into not feeling things around me. That's a good awareness to know, like, you, if you're, to check into mm-hmm. the future to see if, like, am I actually wanting to be doing this webinar or, you know, it could be what going back again where there's events going to this mm-hmm. event, or am I just filling up my time because there's something stressing mm-hmm. me out in my life? Yeah. It was really cool to like figure that out. I also follow a lot of people that are in the mental health space and that are therapists. And like, I think that was, they were posting really cool, valuable content. Like, I think that's how I figured out like, Oh wow, I'm, busying myself so that I'm avoiding whatever stress or because I was like this COVID thing isn't really bothering me that much like I stay home anyway um you know I'm not really watching tv but you see it online and I guess I was just like stressed but didn't realize that I was stressed (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just interesting how that is you could have like normal every day working from home anyway but there's a difference being told you have to stay at home and then choosing to stay at home. And I think that's where a lot of stress comes. Like anytime someone threatens your freedom, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't necessarily like this. I don't (laughs) care if I'm choosing, if I've chose this. Now you're telling me that's different. Or, and then like all of the really intense, like threats about the numbers of cases and like, don't do anything. Like the rules were constantly changing for like what you could and couldn't do. That also makes me very uneasy when like rules change because <laughs> I rely on rules heavily, but they were like changing guidelines so frequently. I think I was like, what is going on? <laughs> it's crazy. Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole legal field. There's some, there's rules on top of rules. There's rules, how to apply the rules. Like, you know what they are, you know what the gray area is, but if you don't have a, 
rule, you don't know where the gray area is. You might be dangerously going into (laughs) the no-no land. Yeah, I know. Our whole field is is based on rules. Sometimes letting go, like letting go of that's Mm -hmm. hard too. I think like COVID, you like have to let go of needing to know the future and what's happening because we just like have, we don't know. We still don't know. They might like lock us all down again. I don't know. This is very true. <laughs> when you started your business, did you have an idea of where you wanted to take it? And has and if you did, has that changed or shifted at all because of how 2020 is? Um, I just wanted, like I at first was, which is probably not like if you talk to a business coach, not like the best goal in mind, but I just wanted to be able to like make enough money to continue to exist and like pay my rent and <laughs> pay for stuff but then once you uh like some like now I'm finding I'm able to like shift my um because when you're first starting you're like okay I'll either do stuff for free or really low pricing and now I'm at the point that I'm like okay I can't do that and still offer everyone like the same value so the mindset mindset has shifted from like I just want to survive and make enough money to okay what am I focusing on the areas that I really enjoy the most Um, and like even the things that I offer, like even something like a trademark versus a contract, like I much prefer helping with trademarks. Um, contracts are fun, but they like take a certain amount of time and like figuring things out. So just figuring out like what I want to, what I want to offer. I think generally it was just to make enough money, but now. I'm trying to figure out like, okay, do I need, like, if I need to hire someone to help me. So I'm, I'm really in the still kind of beginning stages of figuring out like the structure behind it. But now I'm able to shift from, am I making enough money to like, okay, what do I really want to hone in on and, and provide instead of just being in a survival mode. I think that's something that's really good to point out is that a lot of times you don't always have to know what the big thing is. Like you're the needle mover for you was, can I just meet mm-hmm. my ba- basic needs? And then you started doing that consistently to the point where you're able to shift your mindset. And I think that's also valuable for anyone listening to know it. You don't yeah. have to have the plan because let's, let's face it. The plan changes yeah. 50 million times. The goal never really does. Yeah. there's. A, um, I think there's like a lot of focus on like, what's your business plan? Like, what are you exactly going to offer? But like my offerings have changed so much, like just like package structures and like things that I offer. And it's changed so much from when I first started. So there's no way that I could have even successfully planned out everything a hundred percent, much to my own uh, disappointment. Cause I, I like planning everything, <laughs> but it changes. I think it's good to have like a basic, uh, like skeleton structure, but it's, it's going to change. And we, nobody had any idea this was coming. So all businesses have shifted like 180 for the most part, if they weren't already virtual or online, like physical storefronts had to do like a complete 180. So it's crazy. And that's brought up a lot of legal issues in the legal field. And it's interesting talking to different people about like COVID. And I just see things. I'm like, there are going to be litigations that are going to be happening 10, 15, 20 years from now. 
you have no idea. I can't tell you the innovations <laughs> in law that is going to change because of, and that's with everything like COVID, social justice, and all of that is just like, it's all going to change. I told people everything's going to change. We just don't know yeah, what it's going to look great. like. That's a really good point. It's like nuts looking at the stuff that's going on. And I like you try and, and anticipate ahead of time. Um, Cause I did have a couple of clients that went from like physical to online. And so that's a whole nother set of considerations. And now they're going back from online to physical, but now we're worried about like the liability concerns and making sure that they're protected. But like even this, the government doesn't have a hundred percent guidelines on like how to come back and like workers comp issues. It's like, it's crazy. It's going to look insane. And I've already seen some of the lawsuits starting. I'm like, Oh geez. <laughs> I'm just like, it's just only to begin. Like there's going to be a lot more. I'm just like there's going to be a lot more jobs created in the legal field. <laughs> I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if people are going to be actually happy that they, these jobs are being created or wanting to do these jobs. But I I'm like, I was like, I was like really concerned. I was super. I was like, I don't know if all my clients are going to drop off. Like, what does this mean for me? And then I at least was like, well, if my clients drop off, there's always going to be legal issues whenever there's something huge like this. So I will be able to make money somewhere or another, whether I'm going to enjoy it or not is going to be a different question, (laughs) but it's like everything changed so drastically. It's, it's nuts. It's so crazy. (laughs) What did you see was the biggest issue your clients who had the brick and mortar mortar store shifting to the online presence. I think making sure that because online brings a whole other set of like you can reach a lot more people um, and especially during COVID everyone was really set on like webinars and workshops and like bringing people on to talk and do like collaborations and the minute you start doing that with another person like a, some sort of uh collab or like using someone else's image there's just like a whole bunch of things that can go wrong so I was like if you're going to do anything with other people just like make sure you have the right uh, contracts in place and um, like I know you're scrambling to get visible online but there's a lot of other things that you haven't been doing you haven't been online before so you really have to be careful with everything that you're doing online because they're just jumping in so quickly instead of having the time to really plan it out and figure out like what could go wrong or like, what does this mean? How could this go bad? But um, I think that was the number one thing that I saw was just people hopping online and not being prepared legally to do so. Hmm. Well, I mean, you can just look at Zoom. Zoom went from what, 12 million to 120 Mm -hmm. million overnight something outrageous like that and all of the things that they had going on I heard that zoom like I don't know if it didn't have this option before but like the basic level subscription is not like the free version is not encrypted so they changed that and then for the paid version it is encrypted so like attorneys who were using Zoom were like technically doing it improperly if they didn't have the pay. Like that was a whole recent thing because like all all the attorneys have been doing everything online now 
and I don't think anybody had any idea that like it wasn't encrypted or they just that that really freaked me out. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do my calls on the encrypted version. Yeah, it's really interesting to see like now their um, courtrooms are doing stuff online and virtual. I didn't follow up on the whole jury selection and the jury case. And I'm like, that is really intense and really out there because that there's so mm -hmm. much protections going around the whole jury selection process. And if you're a juror, like what information you're privy to. And we all know people on Zoom don't always mute themselves or they forget to mute themselves or somehow they magically become unmute. Oh my God, it's really not. So. Yeah, the, I just kept thinking about all of the uh, the judges in LA that didn't allow court call. And I'm like, now they have to allow court call because we don't have any other option. That's the only thing I was thinking about. I don't know why, <laughs> when all this stuff went online like I've seen people do trials like over zoom it's crazy the things attorneys think about or anyone trained in the legal okay. field how is that gonna work and how <laughs> can it get messed up I know it was so it was not I think it, it wasn't I don't want to say validating I think that's the wrong word um and not reassuring you can give me the right word if you think of it but I think the non-traditional route that I've taken with my own practice. I think there's a lot of uh, like questioning that goes on with more conservative attorneys. Like, why do you do stuff online? Like, how do you do that? That's, that's not right. That's not traditional. But now I'm like, literally everyone is online. So now attorneys that have never been online are scrambling to figure out how to get online, how to be visible online, how to like operate and, and market themselves online. And it's, I was like, you know what? I'm glad I started doing this before this happened or else I'd be scrambling too. Like I wouldn't, wouldn't know how to do all this online stuff. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of stress to do that, especially if you're mm -hmm. shifting so quickly. It's a lot to figure out. And there's a lot of under yeah, factors. It's like, I've, I still like the processes and systems I have in place. Like I'm still changing them and figuring them out. Like I couldn't imagine having to do that in like three weeks for an entire law firm, especially. Um, like one of my friends works at a firm here and they just like were not working because they weren't they couldn't work from home like they weren't set up to be able to do that and she just was like we're not working right now because they're figuring out how to do that I'm like what do you mean she's like we have 50 people and I'm like oh yeah I guess if you guys don't have the capability that's going to take a while to get that figured out mm -hmm. hmm. shifting gears a little bit what would you think your future self would tell you right now or tell you what you need to hear right now um probably it's just like it's gonna be okay because <laughs> thinking about when i first started i was always worried about like it am i gonna have enough clients am i gonna make enough money and it ended up being okay so whatever i'm worrying about now will probably be okay in one year, two years, three years, hopefully. Mm. I mean, that's good <laughs> advice for anyone. It's going to be okay. I hear that an answer a lot. So I'm like, interesting. All right. 
I think I'd rather my future self tell me it's going to be okay because I don't know if I'm able to in this moment tell myself because I'm constantly worrying about everything. Well, it's kind of taking that concept of putting, if there's like a big decision that you need to make, it's pushing, Mm -hmm. taking the pressure off of you. So people create different avatars. So like your future self, what would your future self do in this moment? Oh, he, she would do X, Y, and Z. So then you would go do like X, Y, and Z, where if you're just like, oh, fuck, what would Taylor do right now? I don't know. Taylor's freaking out. She, I should be going off the rails right now. <laughs> don't ask her what to do because she is gone. But hey, your future self, oh, she's got it together. She'll help you out. She'll do, we'll do that. Whatever she says. The future self knows the future. The current me right now is thinking of like 500 different options that could go wrong. <laughs> Which I don't think people understand. I had another attorney on, on here and we talked about um, the shame in the legal field, just in general about like shifting. I don't know if you experienced that when people were like, why are you going traditional route? For me, when I experienced that, I felt it was more like shaming for doing something mm-hmm. outside of the norm. And um, she was talking about like, taking back the layers so like the armor she put on going she did big firm too for a while before Mm -hmm. she went off on her own and she was just like one of the things is is like versus me pre-law school and post-law school I'm always thinking about the doom and gloom now where before I wasn't that aware now it's kind of like oh fuck what can go wrong here oh this 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 can go wrong and it's kind of just like one of those things where I'm like that takes a lot of mental capacity and it's just like I live like I do that for my clients I think like worst case scenario for them to be able to do my job for them and it's really hard to shift out of that for yourself it's really really difficult but I guess I don't know. I think that's like the weird dichotomy of being like a entrepreneurial lawyer because entrepreneurs are supposed to just be like really positive risk takers that just like go for it. And that's not how our legal brains taught us to think. They're like, no, hold on. You need to think about this a lot before you even try that. It's it's an interesting way Mm -hmm. to think about things. But yeah. Well, it's also interesting to be like, you know, the persona of entrepreneurs they're supposed to be risk happy people that are able to do it when a lot of entrepreneurs are accidental entrepreneurs one they did it just for fun like a f- outlet so like instagram for example for you or another was they needed to do it out of necessity there was no choice no option it is boats have been burnt you just go forward and yeah. figure out what happens yeah it's uh it's interesting thinking like I'm always it's also kind of I feel and I don't know if this is just based on the type of person that I am but it's I think a little draining to have to always think worst case scenario for the clients because I'm worried I think I'm more worried for them than they are (laughs) and trying to convey that that concern um it's like it's a little difficult sometimes especially if I don't think that they're taking the risks seriously enough but there's only so much you can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that because they are paying you to think about the worst case scenarios to protect them. But if they're not taking it seriously, it kind of feels like they're not taking you seriously and your job yeah. seriously or the, the reason why they're paying you. Yeah. Um, 
which has its benefits. So they're more like they might be more successful because they're not as worried. But at the same time, it's just like you need to take something seriously. And also, you can't always know what all the dangers or risks that could pop up because Mm -hmm. one, you're not them. Sometimes they're not as forthcoming to you, which is okay. It happens, but you know, I did some family law and I'm like, you kind of, you have to give it to me straight. You have to give me all of it. You have to give me the dirty skeletons Mm -hmm. in your closet. Yes, this is your livelihood, but this is also will affect you legally. And Sometimes when you sign on that dotted line, you can't, there is no way of getting yeah. out and around Family it. law is an area where you have to be like very um, empathetic with your clients too. So I think that takes an extreme amount of energy just to, I mean, the minute you're really involved with the client and dealing with a person and dealing with the legal aspects, it's like, it's really draining instead of just sitting at a desk, like pushing paper sometimes that is like, you're not as connected which is, it's, I, I much prefer mm-hmm. being connected to the client and being able to speak with them, but you also have to take on that like heaviness of uh, worrying about them, <laughs> like worrying about the situation. Right. There was one client, I, there were many times I had to talk to him about having the kids go see their grandparents. It shows your good faith. It shows you're working with them. I know how frustrating it is. And you want to take it off the table and use it as a, a chip, but no, it's like, you got to keep doing this. And it was just like, and there were several other conversations like that. I go, I know it's hard. It is very hard. I'm frustrated sometimes with other attorneys where I'm like, <laughs> excuse me. Have you seen the reports? Have you talked to your client? Have you done just the minimum basic review of your job? Because we, we believe our clients, but then we do the stuff to make sure our clients are correct. Because mm-hmm. some things can get different, misconceived. If, again, information not be given, but it was just like, I couldn't. After a while, I'm like, I can't. I am not your therapist. I don't need to know every single thing. There, there is it's a lot. I know I've, I've never done family, but I've heard a lot of people say that it's like you get very emotionally attached to like situations and people and it's, it's hard to do. It's a hard job. Well, shifting into our final questions, where can everyone find you? Yeah, I am on Instagram all the time. Um, trying to not be on there all the time, but I'm always on there all the time answering questions. And my handle is at Taylor M. Tiemann underscore ESQ. And then uh, my website is just www.ttmanlaw.com. Yeah, those are the main places you can find me. Mm. And don't expect her to reply back right away <laughs> on Instagram. Yes, can clear. Everyone needs to have some space. Yeah, I usually, I honestly, like, mm. I think, I I don't know where that comes from either, but like needing to respond to people like ASAP. I just, there's nothing in business law that is necessarily like you need a response ASAP. Like there's no like restraining orders or anything, but I always feel like answering quickly anyway. No, I don't know where it came from either because a lot of the times in the legal field, I go, we know mm-hmm. when deadlines are. <laughs> 
nothing is really yeah. an emergency unless like an emergency restraining order comes up or some something comes up but otherwise a lot of times it's like um like i know it's really this. important to you right now but doing. you don't have a deadline i don't think that there's a deadline <laughs> yeah yep um what's a book resource podcast that has provided you a lot of value that you would share with the audience I've been listening to and I really honestly like don't hate me I don't listen to a lot of podcasts really but I've started listening to some the past couple of weeks and I have been listening to the goop podcast the Gwyneth Paltrow um whatever that I don't even really understand her brand but I know I watched the Netflix series and then the podcast has a lot of like health and wellness experts and like psychologists like really smart people talking about how your brain works I'm really obsessed with like how people's brain works and how to like tell my brain to do certain things so that's been good for like self-care and figuring out how to chill the heck out Yeah, I haven't listened to their podcast, but I definitely saw their Netflix series and I was just like, interesting. And I also thought they hit a lot of heavy mm-hmm. topics right at the beginning because I felt like it kind of downslided at the end. But I was just like, damn, yeah, it's okay. Like, I think they did, um, I guess they just brought a bunch of really like alternative ways of thinking and like alternative healing and things to mainstream that uh like I've always kind of been really interested in but I never felt comfortable because the rest of the world isn't really comfortable with a lot of that stuff but they're making non-mainstream things like more popular and mainstream which is good and I guess it gives a little more validation but I feel more comfortable being like yeah that interests me like I'm cool with like astrology stuff and like Reiki and that stuff's neat I can be a lawyer and like that stuff (laughs) Right. You can have a logical mind and use it, but you can also be interested into, like I call the woo-woo stuff. It's just interesting because, again, like you, I'm obsessed with how the mind works and I'm obsessed with why people do what they do. And so it's kind of just like, well, that's interesting. And like you said, bringing it more mainstream and providing different ways of thinking, Mm -hmm. which is challenging the traditional way of thinking, which clearly works all the time. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to like grasp non-traditional ways and like the I like you called the woo-woo stuff because it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm in, into astrology and I'm also an attorney without feeling like, are you going to think I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. None of those are supposed to mix. But again, humans are not complex. They're very mm-hmm. simple beings. Said no one. <laughs> Anyways, what? you say has been your bravest moment I would say like starting a business I think yeah I think in the middle of it you're just like so wrapped up in like is this gonna work is this gonna that when I think back I'm like that was pretty risky (laughs) but I think that's been um yeah just based off of like my own personality and needing security and needing to be um, like on a track to do something and needing just like basic like insurance provided. And I think starting a business is, is pretty 
I think it's pretty brave and I think it's fun working with other people that have started businesses too because they kind of have that same like well it's either gonna happen or it's not mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting so with our final question what is your definition of brave I know a lot of people say like fearless, but I think fear is a really important aspect of anything that you do. I guess like, I don't, I don't know if there's like a succinct way to describe it, but I guess like having a healthy dose of fear, but also being willing to do something that's outside of the norm I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's like doing something despite the fear. So you have fear. Fear is always going to be there, but you don't need yeah. fear to paralyze you. And then it's just doing it outside the norm. Because when you do do stuff outside of the norm, it does bring up a lot of fear. Yeah, yeah that's true. I think, yeah, probably like doing something outside of the norm is probably my best way to describe doing something brave because i saw somebody i saw somebody post yesterday for father's day about how like they don't have a good relationship with their father at all and i was like that was really brave because everybody on instagram is like oh my gosh i love my dad and like my dad's the best and like that's not how everyone exists with their dad so i just really appreciated the fact that she was transparent and was brave enough to say that um because not everybody has that relationship with their dad. No, that is a fair assessment. Not everyone does. Again, going against the norm of thought. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really me enjoyed too. our time thank together. Thank you for having me. I love chatting with legal minds. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Built Brave. If you love this episode, heck, if you like this episode, please head on over, give it a rate, review, subscribe, like, shout it out on your social media with your major takeaways and what you loved about the episode. And as always, tag me in that at Low Wentworth because I love hearing what you guys got out of the episodes. And until next time, remember... You've always been brave.